Coming up, when the post game ends, the post game podcast podcast begins live on YouTube with you, the fans, covering the most recent game, as well as a ride ranging collection of topics tonight, including the update on Ben Simmons' injury. We dive in on the conversation coming up next. You are locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every day and sometimes twice when we're talking about the post game live on YouTube where everybody was in here. Guess what, Doug? I was keeping an eye on the on the chat as we were preparing for the post game of this one, and everyone was ready. Everyone was ready for 10 p.m. and then a little bit later, and then a little bit longer, and then a little bit more depressed as the Nets ultimately lost this one. We'll take a look in here. Doug's already start up a couple to bring up as we talk about it with all our frequent flyers. Let's dive in, Doug. Well, let's hit uh let's actually just hit this Ben Simmons uh update real quick here first. Let's just do the Ben Simmons injury stuff because I yes. think some people have questions about this. And this one we can just cover as we head into the Thanksgiving weekend. So the Nets did release uh this for everyone in the chat too. The Nets did release um an uh, injury update on Simmons along with Cam Thomas and Dennis Smith Jr. earlier in the day, uh, courtesy of Nets PR. And they uh basically the Sim the beats on the Simmons thing were he's progressing, he's doing light on court stuff. They're going to have another update in 10 days. Set well, seven to 10 days, but I always round up with this. So, um, so it, I, I said at minimum 10 days. Now, they have a, a couple things about this. One, if you have followed the Nets forever or if, or at any period of time, the this actually health update is some of the most specific and, um, forward facing that we've seen for the net for the nets in a long time with the now that is not saying much because they've been really bad with this stuff in the past so they're yeah. improving um so kudos i guess on that front but in terms of the simmons in terms of the simmons stuff it's hard to feel too positive about it because he's already missed basically a month and now it's going to be another at least 10 days and he's not coming back in 10 days. Like he, like you could just tell from the, the wording of the, of the release that it's going to be, we'll give you an update slash reevaluation in 10 days, seven to 10 days. So I don't know what your quick thoughts were, you know, as we head into the weekend here, but around, you know, where the Simmons around the Simmons injury piece. Well, I said it, you know, we said it initially at the time. And, and when you remind everybody that it's already basically been a month, that's almost shocking because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. So it's already been a while when the initial injury happened, we, you said, Hey, knee jerk. When do you think we see him? And I said, after Christmas and guess what this, this 10 more days until reevaluation does not make me feel like this is going to be any sooner. Like it, it just, and this is unfortunate. I'm not, it's not a judgment on Ben Simmons. It stinks. You need him healthy. The team is better with him. We say all those things, but I just do not have a lot of optimism. And to your point about maybe the organization being a little bit more outward, um, di outwardly direct with everyone on it. It makes me feel like don't, don't expect this to not be a similar update potentially in seven to 10 days. I think that's where we are too. I think it's hard again, like this is, a guy that has missed a ton of time over the last couple of years. Um, he's played fewer than half the game. He's sat out a whole season. And I know everyone's going to say, 
Well, that was other circumstances. He still didn't play a whole season. So, I mean, it's yeah. I, I, everyone did this with Kyrie forever, so we can just do it with Simmons too. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. In the end, availability is a skill also. And like, and if you have sat out more than half the time over the last, I mean, it's way more than that. But like, if you've played 40% of the games, of the available games over the last four seasons, that's like the number. There's, you just don't have it. There's no trust that it's going to happen. I hope he gets healthy. I, it sucks. He's hurt. Yeah. It's it's not like a, it's not an attack on him as a person. It's just, you just can't be positive about this. You can't be optimistic about this situation. I don't think, I don't know how you could be. I, it's like impossible. Yeah. And, and to your point, like the why you've missed games doesn't matter anymore at this point. You, you've missed a lot of games. Correct. L- let me ask you this question on the follow-up and then we will we'll open it up obviously to everybody in the chat. What do you think this means to the Brooklyn Nets organizationally for this season. Do you, and I don't mean, I, I know we think, Hey, the team is obviously better with him. They, it's going to change things. You can use tonight as an example. We can use every game that he's not there and look at certain matchups and say, ah, oh, with Ben Simmons, it could be better. Of course. But do you think that the organization looks at this and says, if he's going to miss significant time, we need to go do something to improve the team rather than saying, we're going to live with the results. We're going to, you know, we'll play more small ball and Spencer Dinwiddie will do more on ball stuff. And Cam Thomas will have to be, you know, a superstar for us this season. And that's the nature of it. Cause it's not like we're going to go out and spend some big assets here to fill this void for this season. Yeah. I think they're just stuck with it. It sucks. I uh, don't, sometimes this just happens. You kind of can run bad on, you know, choices that you make. And uh, that seemed like they've been at the, you know, tail or uh, the, curse word end of this stick for a couple years now with some of these guys they also were the ones that went out and got them I like yeah. and again I want to be really clear none of this is an attack or even an indictment on Simmons as like a person I he nope. he seems fine like I actually thought it was funny when there was a Nets um they were doing like these like you know mid-game kind of interview things that they were pre-recorded and they and they interviewed the players and they said you know if you had to plan a party I can't remember if it was like for them or for their kid, but it was something like that. I was like, you had to plan a party who on the team would do. And they all voted for Simmons, which I was like, oh, that's these guys like him. Like, you don't vote right. for Ben Simmons in that like very silly question and answer thing if you don't think he's like a fun guy and you like him. So right, right. I, I think that I actually think from all that, those standpoints, it's probably fine. Like, he, they, I'm sure these guys love him. It was the same with Kyrie. The teammates love these guys. Like, it's just that when it came down to it, there was just long stretches where they just weren't available. And I, in some ways, I equate those situations only to say that if you are trying to think optimistically about like this turning around or him coming back or blah, 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 I would just take, I would pump the brakes fully on any of that. If it happens, like be pleasantly surprised, but do not be banking on that in any way, shape or form. Cause there's like legit, not a single shred of evidence that it's going to happen yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And that's, Sorry, that's just like the reality of the situation. And I, I do the uh, one. I'm saying this with with no uh, conviction around it yet, but I'll be very curious because the NBA does have things built in, like for injury protection and stuff. And I and I wonder, yeah, they'll never depending get on what happens with this, if they'll have any, if they'll have any recourse with it. No, nah, they won't. They won't. It it, it takes. I'll say more things like that. We'll get it's like substantial. That stuff takes so much that like that yeah. like to get injury protection on stuff like the the times where it's happened. Like it happened with Lonzo, which was with the Bulls, where it's like right. you're just lost for multiple seasons and it's like maybe a degenerative like knee condition. And then it just happened with someone else who was like lost for the whole. I'll, I'll remember did it, happen, it as we it didn't happen. Was, did it happen with Zion at all when he missed? No. Yeah, right. No, no it's it's like, an example like where he missed time, but it wasn't. It has to be like horrible. It has to yeah. be like, 
you know, horrible injury stuff. And that's just not where we are here. It's like, so there's no protection there anyway. And and there shouldn't be like, I, your hope he comes back. I don't know. I don't want to get oh, down that road, I guess. Yeah. All right. I mean, we'll get into some questions here, but yeah, in general, that was, I think the Simmons, the Simmons update. I starred some, um, yeah, I threw a couple in the mix here. You, you, you uh, dealer's choice, Doug. you like, you got, one I'll start with one from the game. We weren't guarding Trey the same way in the first quarters. We were the later than game. Okay. So, He's the biggest threat, but also I will say, and I meant to say this in the regular part of the podcast, I think in general, you are fine with some of the shots that Trey was taking in the first half. Like these logo threes, they're very deep. I I get they were like kind of clean looks. Trey Young is not a great three-point shooter. Like he came into this game. Now, (laughs) he he came into this game shooting 31% from three. He ended the first quarter shooting 36% from three because he was so he made so many in the first quarter that he literally ticked his three point percentage up five points. I did the math like during yeah, the game. Six, six for seven because he missed the, the end of buzzer in the first well, quarter. Well, after six for six, he had legit raised his three point <laughs> shooting five, six, no, five and a half percent just in the quarter. But this is a yeah. guy who shot 33% last year, was shooting 31% this year. If he wants to take these deep threes, like just have at it. Because honestly, after that, I know you can't really do this, but after that run was kind of what you would expect from him if he was just taking these ridiculous shots because he was like two for 10 after that, Yeah, (laughs) right? He was two for 10 from three. He was two for 10 from three after that. I know they got a little more aggressive with him and that's fine. The aggression also led to him just getting to the foul line too. So I think that in general, it sucks because it's, seeing the results on this really makes it tough. I think you mostly are fine. If he wants to do that, like, just go for it. Like what you don't want him is getting into the lane, drawing these fouls, getting lobs. Like those are the automatic shots that he's just going to make. And if he's just going to default to like, he thinks he's Steph for a night. I think mostly you'll be fine with it. And it just did. I clearly didn't work out because he made them all, but like, I think I'm just kind of fine with it. Yeah, again, because if a handful of those don't go in the first quarter, and a lot of those were deep logo triples, then you say this, this is going great. He's, he's he hit two out of seven in the first quarter. Great. Keep jacking him up because we're getting free possessions off of this as long as we can box out and get those long rebounds. Um, you want to address the, you, you highlighted this one. So I guess I'll oh, let you take it. Uh, they can't really, I, someone wrote, um, just in this for the podcast, feed. uh, I should do a better a job of reading these questions. Nets need to release Simmons tomorrow. They can't release him. You can't, re- I mean, they can release him. You got to pay him the full contract. There's a legit no point. So like, there's no, this isn't the NFL where it's like, don't like Shaquille Leonard anymore. So now he's off the team. See you later. Thank you for your right. service. You know, like it just doesn't work. And then we'll take the cap hold over the, like the next four years or whatever. Like Adam understands the NFL contracts more than me, but the, you, it, the NBA doesn't work like that. Guys don't get released in the NBA. Or yeah, the, money the, money. Kind of con- the money is the, the money. money. Is the money. Well, you, you make a bit really big contracts and you say two are guaranteed and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? Two years later, the six year contract wasn't worth anything. Cause that's the, that's the way that that's constructed. NBA is very pro player in this regard, right? They of are of course good. And that's and that's good. Yes. Yes. And, and that's a good be, thing yeah. for the player as it yeah. should be, but there is no releasing of Ben Simmons. That will never happen. Uh, what I have up here, the lockdown nets. Why is our defense not great when we have so many quote, good defenders, scheme, size, effort. I, we, we've talked about this. We just did an episode a couple ago about, you know, w- w- what is this defense now? A h- really hard thing to talk about <laughs> when you look at the final score of this game is that the way the Nets actually got back into this was in the third quarter when they started doing, I think, fundamentally what we believe is their defensive strength, 
They are not the biggest players in terms of height, but they do have tremendous length. All these guys have great wingspans. They were very active in passing lanes. Mikhail Bridges did a good job getting up into the body of guys and using his hands. They had strips. They had turnovers. That's where I think their defensive value is. Where their defensive value has not been has been about getting out on perimeter shooters, sometimes collapsing too much into the paint. And you can make a case, especially with guys, I'm not picking on them in particular, but guys like Royce O'Neal and guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, they are sound players, but they are not athletic, versatile, freak players by NBA standards. So even defensively, they they are not making you know drum, they're not making Nicholas Claxton size recoveries where he goes out and blocks a three pointer in this game. That's not what they're going to be, and I think some of that, some of it to me might be that that there isn't necessarily the highest athletes on this team, which makes it harder. Like these one-on-one matchups get beat up on. We talk about perimeter defense all the time. We talk about the the backcourts for other teams. The Nets are almost always in losing matchups on the defensive side of things. Yeah, I've been thinking about a lot about this, and I thought about it actually tonight as I was watching the game because I think you are right. Like the team has good individual people that people would say are good, you know, independently good uh, individual defenders for the most yep. part, like Claxton, like McHale. I think uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. These guys are um, are good individual defenders. They're not everyone is, so that's pro- problem one. Two, they run a they run a switching scheme that doesn't have like. Giannis or you know some of these other even like you know Jim, Jim McDaniels like some of these other guys who are like sort of so elite at it like they don't have really any like Mikhail's like still pretty slight like he's a good defender mm-hmm. but he's not a big guy right like and so they can get a little bodied at times basically for everybody like even Claxton like great rim protector but not a big guy right, right. and so they're they're not exactly like they're long but they're not hefty so that's problem one problem two is that when you switch a lot you do leave yourself susceptible to guys getting to the rim, especially when your big switches out onto guards. Like mm-hmm. we've seen this happen oftentimes. We love that Claxton. And this is like one of those things where it's like, oh, he's good individually. He's good at switching onto DeJounte Murray. He's good at switching on. He had a great and unbelievable defensive stand against Trey late in regulation, where yeah. which like saved the game at the time. Like it was unbelievable. The problem with that scheme is you do leave yourself really open to one getting crushed on the glass because your big is way away from the, the basket Two, getting back cut because your big is away from the basket. You have no weak side of rim protection. Simmons actually did solve a lot of this because he could handle some of these bigger matchups up front and leave class and leave some of the other guys to like, you know, some of the other length sort of behind him. So I think that's like part of the problem. I just think that in general, they just, they are a long team, but they are not a big team. Like, no. you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, there's no real good size. Like there's no a- Anthony Davis. There's no Giannis. There's no LeBron. There's no Kawhi. These guys that are like huge and hu- right. These dudes that are even Jokic to some degree, like these like, guys even are just, sharp is not a monster. I and mean, we know he's, a, he's coming off the bench, but he's not, he's not big. Like he's big by net standards, but he's not big. Right, by these dudes that are just like big, right? Like these just big dudes that can kind of like, occupy a lot of space are super athletic twitchy like even like tatum like you just stand like tatum and 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 mikhail next to each other like tatum's like bigger than him like bigger and strong like and i think that like when you just don't have enough next don't really have any of those guys and i think they just kind of get killed on the margins with some of this stuff does that make sense i've been trying to think about this because like it doesn't make sense that they have good guys that you're like good defender and then you watch this and it's like, can't stop anybody. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I knew you guys are all good, 
but also you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't stop a guy from working out of a paper bag. I I, I agree with you, and I, sorry, I took down I took down who asked that question there. But you also mentioned about scheme, and I will say there is time now again without Ben. You mentioned that, and I think that that's true. That that helps that allows Claxton to live a little bit closer if they're going to share the court to the pain or Dayron or whoever or Dorian Finney Smith. I do wonder if even though it will be a losing proposition at times, if there if there are if there should be more situations where the Nets say, let's let's play this a little straight up. You have your assignment to the best of your ability to defend them. Now, is Trey Young going to expose one? Okay, yes, he is, right? Is Tatum? Yeah, okay. You're, you're, someone's going to get beat up. But I do wonder about, for the roster that you have, if sometimes the best value is saying, okay, if you get beat one-on-one, then we trust the help defense, the rim protection to show up there around the basket, as opposed to these switching schemes, specifically with Claxton. Once you take Claxton out of there, that's it. You're very exposed in and around the basket. So I, I, I can see a world where you can make a case that they should try something a little bit different here. Um, and again, I just think I just think it's a lot of per. I, I know what you're saying. I do think that, like in general, this is probably what they should be trying to do based on who they have. I just don't think they have all the right guys either. Like it's just this is just well, what it's I mean, just going right. to be. Like you have to swap out a couple of dudes here for a couple of different guys and then this would work like the switching would work honestly out. i hate to always do this but like simmons does cure a lot of this like we started to see this he can guard multiple guys he's like and i, I i'll bring this up because i saw someone yeah say, say this and i'll just bring it up um oh shoot Froz said two of these things i brought up the wrong one it doesn't matter he mentioned something about simmons and then he mentioned here so i think they're both correct one it was that simmons which i was just agree with what i said before which is that simmons can handle some of these primary defensive assignments in a way that like you don't sacrifice tons by having him do it because mm-hmm. he's sort of like already in those, he's not getting cross matched. He's already in, like he's already locked up with one of these guys secondarily too. The, he cross makes a good point here for, if you're listening on the podcast that um, like KD was great as like a secondary rim protector. Right. Yeah. And like secondary help ring defense. He could just get a ton of blocks this way. Like when he played with Claxton, because he would just, he was the help. He was like weak side help. Um, they don't have this guy either now. And so they're just losing these like little battles. They're the, even from the models player. Mikhail Bridges isn't going to help with, with some of those, those blocks no. on the backside, right? Like they're just Cameron losing Johnson like too many little battles. And yeah, I yeah. think that like, that is part of the problem. I actually don't know if there's a scheme that they could change with this. Like I, there probably is, but if you think about, if you think about, let me just pull this up really fast here. If you think about like the best defensive teams, it is a lot of scheme, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also like type of player. So actually, okay, so you know, this this list is perfect. So these are the top four teams. It's hard to go along with this, but this is the top four teams in terms of defensive efficiency this season. Okay, first is Minnesota, who it's like obvious. It's like hey, they have Rudy Gobert, who's probably one of it, one of if not the best rim protectors, and then they have McDaniel's, who's like arguably the best perimeter defender, switch perimeter defender in basketball. He's hurt now, but right. like. So you put, and they're huge and they're long and they can kind of guard anything. And now you're in real trouble. And then you add a seven footer in Carolina towns. who's not even good at defense, but he's still seven feet tall. And like, and then you get a guy like Conley who's smart, like strong and smart. And then who's the fifth starter for this team. Oh, and who's like a really good, strong wing defender. It's like, okay, well that makes a physical player, right? Yeah. Well, then you go to Orlando and I'm not gonna do this for every team, but. Orlando, it's like, okay, do they have a phenomenal defender? No, but Franz is huge. Paolo's huge. 
They've been playing a straight up center in Goga, Wendell Carter, or uh, or Wagner. Jalen Suggs is an absolute dog on the on, right. on defense, and so he's like, okay, well, this starts to make sense. These guys are all kind of like much thicker and bigger. And then it's Boston, and it's OKC, and you can just go, and then it's the Clippers. Like you can just go through these teams, look at these teams and the personnel that they have. They're all not only taller and longer as long, but they're also big, <laughs> right? And <laughs> yeah. they just and then it's just like don't have those kind of guys. So anyway, um whatever it's called i'm I'm done saying this now but it started to go long-winded but i don't know i guess i've been thinking trying to think more about this no and i the, the biggest point that i think you bring up there i mean i'm among a lot of other good ones uh but when we said this in the offseason the nets have, have have nice length not not saw not height but they have nice length but but not having the bulk right not having even if some of these guys were like a little bit stocky or a little bit more muscle bound just to be able to keep guys in front of them to fight off players on the outside because a lot of this at times does look like it just comes down to some of the physical battles that you're losing in the margins and when someone says um something like as we'll bring up this one here from sorry i'm going to say one more thing here because this actually goes against my point but it's a good it's a good thing to bring up so glenn yeah. says um, Ime Odoka would have been uh, would have the Nets defending instead of higher Mr. Happy Shock one. Okay, so I actually agree with this also. So there are some guys like Ime who the Nets came very close to hiring sure. and probably would have and should have been the coach, whatever he, he was he was hired basically. And then there was like I think you know turmoil within the organization because he was coming off the Boston thing. Yep. He's got Houston defending at a really high level right now who does not line up with, with the way I just described all these guys. It's like Fred Van Vliet and it's Dylan Brooks. And it's like, and Jabari's big and it's Albert and Shankoon, who's like not the most fleet footed defender. So I'm not all the way right about you just need the guys. There are some guys that are going to get a lot out of less and emails a good example of that. So sorry. I just, on that point, remember, and we, if you want to talk about coach from a coaching or just a mentality or an attitude, right? Jock Vaughn and the Nets talked about like we want to bring in it's, it's why Dorian Finney-Smith is here it's why they brought in a Dennis Smith Jr. they want to have some guys with a little bit of grit to them right guys that are really going to kind of grind this thing out and and the the premise was now again you haven't had Ben Simmons you can use that whatever you want to paint it but the idea was even when Ben Simmons played by the way the defense overall was still bad like you know again individually good collectively bad the idea was teams are going to have to really work for it against us they're going to have to battle for every single point. That hasn't happened. So I think there's also just a little part of this, at least for me, hey, you're you're, lo you're losing games, you're winning games, you're giving up a lot of buckets or not. There are There's been just a lot of sequences and a lot of stretches of games where yeah. it's not even about whether or not you're giving up the scores. It's that it looks like it's easy, right? It doesn't yes. look like you are bringing this mentality of, all right, you got a dogfight on your hands. There's actually been a lot of them where it's like this. Hey, it's an arms race. Who can get to 150 the fastest, right? And that's been a surprising difference for this team early in the season. You're um, right. Like they're just not locked in the whole time and yeah. they, and there's just, and, and that's a, that's a good way to put it. And I think Ime has those guys locked in all the time in Houston for yeah. whatever the difference is. And I don't know. Go ahead. I want to pluck. No, I just want to pluck this one here um, yeah. because four of their losses for the Brooklyn Nets have been so close bounces the wrong way. I think we're being too hard on them thoughts again. Overall, I've been very happy with what I've seen from this team early on. Some of the injuries have been hiccups, etc. The other way to look at this, if you want, if I want to go a little bit pessimistic is that, yeah, one bounce this way or that way. But if enough one bounce this ways or that ways go the wrong way, then that be, that does become a bit of the trend. Yeah, the Nets are going to play teams really tough. They're going to be in close matchups. And it might seem like they're going to lose a lot of those close games. So all of a sudden, like six and eight now, 
Well, fast forward another 10 games. If you play eight out of 10 close, but you lose seven of those eight close games, guess what? You, you just have more losses than wins. So at some point it does come down to getting over that hump, getting over that hump and winning more of the close games. And maybe that's the case. And we said, we talked about the schedule coming up here. There's some very winnable games. We said the Atlanta one could have been one of those. So if they win a handful of these next four or five matchups, then yeah, overall, I think that the bounces, good and bad, have evened out. And the Nets are kind of right where you would expect them to be. Yeah, yeah, this and this will make this that's why these kind of losses hurt, right? We talked about at the beginning of the episode where it's like Atlanta's is coming off a huge game and overtime game on a back to back. Like that should just be a schedule loss for a team that was off for four four days. And yes, yeah. and that's even with the travel, like it's just brutal to lose that game because the the narrative lined up just too well for the Nets. Incidentally, and we can close out on this last question if you want, because it ties a nice bow on where we started with our bonus podcast post uh, episode on Ben Simmons. Um, but Mikhail Bridges has never won in Atlanta, going back to his time with Phoenix. I was watching the pregame. And he said, I, 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 he's like, I can never win. I don't know. It was the travel from Phoenix and blah, blah, blah. And then they lost uh, the last time. It was the Trey Young push shot when he was with Brooklyn. The last time they were in Atlanta. So um, still trying to get over that hump for Mikhail. Bridges, I blame Mikhail then. Which is, I was going to say, right. Thanks a lot for the 45 points, guy. But you're clearly a jinx. Now, from Jonathan, frequent flyer with the podcast. If Brooklyn decides to part ways with Ben Simmons, could one strategy be trade him to a lottery team like the Wizards or Hornets or Pistons? Brooklyn could get some vets back or, or prospects. So they're not getting back vets or prospects. They're getting back money of some kind. If you want to even it out, they're giving up picks and they're giving up a lot of picks. Like he yeah, is never trade. even flat out just say like it's untradeable and that, that is the reality. But if you, if you wanted to go down this road, let's say the wizards would go, okay, three first round picks. Like it, it, yeah, it would be two of the sun's picks. something insane that the nets would never touch when he's, you're he's a year not away from being he's, off of it. Yeah. He's on the team all the way through next year. Now, how much he plays? I don't know. I hope he plays the whole time. I can say this. I, I I don't know how much money I would wager on it, but it would be a, a lot mm-hmm. that he will be on this Nets team all the way through the contract. Like they will not be able to trade him. But happy to be wrong about that. If I if you know if they find a suitor that wants to take him, I just can't go put yourself in the fan base or the front office of any other team. Not the team that wants to get rid of him. <laughs> not in their front office. Go go to other any of the office. other ones and try and tell yourself what the story could possibly be where you would trade for him. And by the way, you'd have all- to be like I, the only guy. Like maybe Presty because he doesn't because he just like you have to be so secure. The other thing too about you have to remember that about this too. It's not just like Simmons. It's like you have to be so secure in your job to even do it. Because right. he like, because like, how's it going to work? And so I, I sell just, the owner, sell many- ownership. I'm bringing in a forty million dollar contract, even for one year, right? I'm bringing him in. He's he miss he typically misses over half the games. He plays forty percent of the time, <laughs> right? He doesn't he doesn't shoot, but not, not <laughs> and, in the games where he does. Not a shooter play. per se. I just think don't he want him to free throw line, and I wouldn't it's not happen. Like so, yeah, get but, used uh, to it because he's going to be on the team all the way through next year. And the last thing, this is actually, I think, just a good note as well on this, real quick. Um, with, with Ben, but at this point, two years off in one year or less played, what do you do as a GM? R- remember, if you're Sean Marks and if you're even talking about being secure, well, you were backed into a bit of a corner with James Harden. You can make the case that getting all getting away from James Harden and not giving him the the new contract and not going to the negotiation table in the offseason. That is a good thing, but but this is what you were left with. So when you think about Ben Simmons and th- decisions you want to make, there's no decision to make because even the James Harden stuff 
you see how that's unfolded. Now, you know, Philadelphia succeeded a little bit more. Maybe there was a harder bargain to drive, but that that's probably the only question you could ask here is going back to the James Harden trade. Should the Brooklyn Nets had lo- have looked at something, anything, every other option to not have it be Ben Simmons ending up on Brooklyn, right? Whatever that meant, they probably needed to do something different then unless they believed, as we've discussed, that if he can get back healthy, he can be a good player. And and the sample size says he can. It's just that the health is always going to be in the way. So. I'll take it one step further. What you do is, yeah, I like. Well, one, you can't really do anything now, right? I, Sean Marks, we talked about this before. This guy's if, secure. Any, well, he, oh my god, I, how can you be more secure? If any other GM had <laughs> oversaw what happened with the Durant, Kyrie, and Harden thing, mm-hmm. and then, but I got back ben that Simmons afterwards, and then piggyback that with the Simmons thing, they're so fired. Like yeah. every, any GM that had, that was like their four year run, which was like win one playoff series. Yeah. Have it be nothing but an S show the entire time with all the players wanting to be traded. Sure. And then you trade for another guy who's injured and doesn't really play. And now you have his contract again at the time I, co- I would have co-signed all these deals. Right. But na- who on how, any other GM is so fired by now. Like it's not even funny. It's actually it's actually unbelievable, and I like Marks. Whatever. I think he's just done some good things too. But like, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like the amount of it's probably actually these guys are so unlikable uh, going out the door. It's like the only thing that saved them. The only thing that saved saved Marks is that except for probably Durant, the other three, at least like the fan base and stuff, are so unlikable. That it's like you can't blame Marks all the way. It's like these guys are impossible. Like look at Harden, right? Yeah. Like you know Kyrie's been all these things. That's like the only thing that saved him. Because if if it was just on results, it's been, well, I mean, a total f. <laughs> I, I, I do like the I do like the idea of being like, hey, uh, so what have you been up to the last few years as a GM? And you go, well, I signed Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. And they go, wow, Amazing. how'd that go? Well, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like like, well, you know. And there's all this stuff that gets thrown in there, and this all the stuff that saved them too. It's like. Well, Kyrie twists his ankle on Giannis and 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 Harden course, pulls his hamstring, right? right? And then it's like the stupid vaccine mandate where like one city can't have the guy and we have the one guy who doesn't want to get it in that city, right? It's like, okay, well, what can I do about that? Like, so, or like James Harden, Harden being hurt as well. James Harden injured in that uh, in that Milwaukee series, coming back in that Milwaukee series, remember, missed the first Yeah, the round. hamstring. Yeah, yeah that's well, I said right. that. Right, his hamstring. It's like, well, I offered the extension to Harden. He didn't want to sign it, right? And so it's like all these things. Oh, well, Simmons' medicals were fine, but he was hurt. Like all the things have excuses at the end of it. I'm just saying that if you look at it in totality, it's so bad. Yeah. Um, but if we went through each individual thing, you could make a case for why it's not his fault. And that's probably why he still has a job like so i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious to see how and i always say after a brutal overtime loss follow it up with just like this type of you know discussion around <laughs> around your players that are injured and things unspiraling the gm i mean really double you know to double and or triple down but i, I do wonder we said this story i said this during at the top of this bonus episode of would this inspire the organization to think they should do anything or not and yeah. I, the answer is no and i agree with you in terms of adding or making moves but I do, I do now wonder what happens from here forward in the short term, and how does it inform decisions they make about letting things go, and, and you know, parting ways with, with with players and bringing in more assets? Because all this stuff you talk about things that happen with the superstar era, 
Well, there's things that are happening now. Cam Johnson starts this season injured. Now Ben Simmons goes down. You brought in a defensive backcourt guy in Dennis Smith Jr. He's going for an MRI. Like there are things that are happening actively now in this season that are taking what could have been mostly positive and kind of going, yeah, maybe you're going to be limping across the line here for a little bit until you start losing a handful more of these games and it, and it goes a little sideways on you. So it'll be fun to see. Bottom line is, as Doug Norrie would say, it's late. It's Thanksgiving yep. Eve. We're getting a little punchy. So we're going to go ahead and tie a bow on things here. Everybody, man, really, in spite of the loss, enjoy your Thanksgiving, some family, some friends, some good food. Doug is a big fan of holiday, specifically Thanksgiving food. He can't get enough of it. He's going to be doubling and tripling down on turkey, mashed potatoes, and especially cranberry sauce. We will. Be back again, as Doug said, on Friday with a, uh, with an episode and then on Saturday night because we've got a game day preview coming out and then the action there over the weekend. So we'll be back again next time talking all things Brooklyn Nets fast.